0: Open your Bibles, please. I just got a message from uh, some vacationers saying, "Are you guys live yet?" So, our, our one, one of our of our fourteen people from around the world are about to tune in, or worldwide audience. So, open your Bibles, please, to the Book of Matthew, chapter six. And if you see on the screen and on your bulletin insert, it, the, the the picture changed back to our to the to the main message. Follow me again. We have concluded the. The the brief mini series of how disciples pray, and I'm sure we'll pick up a few mini series through the book of Matthew. But now we've gone back to uh, we're still in the, the the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, now we pick up where Jesus is still teaching his disciples. Understanding that Matthew has probably organized this teaching of Jesus on purpose. So we have the words of Jesus and his intention, also Matthew's editorial organizing of these notes. So we have to keep both of those things in mind as we study. Matthew is writing this to call the reader to be a follower of Jesus, to be his disciple. That is, to obey and to imitate Jesus. We obey and imitate Jesus through being brought into vital contact with the Holy Spirit. Then then we listen to Jesus, we watch Jesus, and we obey him, we imitate him. Everybody said, amen. amen. And so this is what he's, he's talking to his disciples about how to follow him. And the, the gospel of Matthew doesn't just call us to follow Jesus, it shows us how. And so we pick it up this morning in chapter 6, and we're looking at verses 16 through 18. And here's what Jesus says talking to his disciples. When you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces. That sounds like they, I don't know, they, but I'll explain that in a minute. They disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, Talking to his disciples now. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. Now, why in the world would Jesus say that? It's hard for us maybe to understand. Like I don't I don't put a lot of oil on my head. Uh, but this was a part of this was a part of the, the, the of normal grooming in the, that that Oriental, that Middle Eastern culture. Oil oil on the head was like uh, kept, kept the scalp moist, it protected the head from heat, all that kind of thing. they would actually put oil all over their body and then scrape it off as a as a way of cleansing and then of course on their, on their face they 'd wash and put oil on it was not It was not nearly as dingy as so many of the movies make it out like they all walked around in sand and and uh, dirty clothes it was It, it, it was quite cosmopolitan uh, uh, Put oil on your head and wash your face, face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you oh just say those last those last few words with me will you will reward you okay now these are the words of jesus he's teaching his disciples about righteousness and he's using fasting as an illustration This goes all the way back, and we'll look at this two or three times this morning, but look back at chapter 6 and verse 1. This is the beginning of this whole section. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So this this whole section has been about practicing righteousness. In the middle of it, he talked about the practice of prayer, and so we looked at that. But righteousness does things. It doesn't just exist as a declaration over our life and a legal term. Righteousness is what righteousness does. Because we've been made righteous as followers of Jesus Christ, we act like it. We actually do righteous things. I'm looking for someone to say that's a good idea. I'm I'm almost shocked. Well, we do righteous things. Don't be afraid. Oh, no, we're going to become legalists. Stop that fear. No, righteous people do righteous things. But we don't do them. Here's the, 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 the caveat. We don't do righteous things for the applause or the attention or the praise from other people. We do righteous things for the ready, eager, loving approval and praise of our heavenly Father. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Well, and so Jesus is using uh, particularly righteous uh, expressions that were common to them to illustrate this point. He's talked about giving. He's talked about praying. Now, lastly, he'll talk about fasting. Now, here's the, here's the deal. Fasting in that day, regarding fasting... Uh, the, the Jews were only required to fast one time a year. It was on the Day of Atonement, and they fasted. Now, depending on who you, what, what what scholar you do, you measure or whatever, their fasts lasted from either from sun up, from sunrise to sunset, or from sundown the night before till sundown the next day. Either way. That was about the, the normal period of fasting. And with regard to the Day of Atonement, it was an expression of repentance and consecration. They would go without food and doing so, of course, you can just imagine how this works. Maybe some of you don't need to, but they, they would go without food. And of course, going without food over a period of a few hours, you begin to feel that. You begin to feel that uh, 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 that kind of that ache, that wrestling in your gut, and it's, it's uncomfortable it can be painful and it certainly is it kind of pulls on you from the inside well that's the idea is that we it is an expression of faith that 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 it gives a it's a physical expression of faith saying lord i this ache that i feel i want to be right with you i i i have an inner sense of remorse for my sin and i and i really exchange my appetite for you know bread and I, and I trade that, and I focus or refocus that appetite toward you and toward righteousness. That's why later on, even we, or earlier, we've already, we've already heard Jesus talk about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, literally having a full and complete appetite for the things of God. Well, that's what they did. They fasted. Uh, normally, they just required once a day. But this particular um, uh, expression, by the time of Jesus... Religious leaders had developed a practice of fasting—not once a year, but twice a week. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. There's no prohibition. There's nothing wrong with it. Jewish fasting, all, almost always—you have to look at it hard—almost always entailed some sort of remorse, some sort of repentance. Uh, they would, whenever they wanted to kind of just humble themselves before the, the, the Lord and kind of, again, refocus their appetite, they would fast. But the, the, by the time of Jesus, they would do this twice a week. And you think, well, that's okay. Hell, here's the caveat. Uh, the religious leaders would fast on Monday and Thursday, which also happened to be market day. There you go. So everybody. So they. they, So Monday and Thursday. These that Jesus called hypocrites, they would. Those would be their fasting day, and so they would either the night before start or that morning start and feel all feel all hangry, right? H A N, hang, hang hangry. They get all hangry first thing in the morning, right? Kinda of like I, I remember when you were a young lad, you know, I had to deal with some of Brian Solwasp a little bit hangriness every once in a while. It's okay, I was a good feeder. Okay. They get a little they get a little hangry and then they would and instead of cleaning up that morning, they would go ahead and not. They would go ahead and look sullen. And they would not, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't cover their hair. They would do and they would do all kinds of things. There was, depending on how much you read historically, they would put ash on their face to make their face look even more white and colorless than it was before. I mean, it was a it look, it seems like they would go through some pretty theatrical efforts to look like they were really uh, spiritual. And so, of course, then they would walk through the marketplace like that. Everybody else is, you know, buying their bananas. They're stocking up. See, what see, people are stocking up on their food for the week or for a few days. And while they're stocking up on their food, these super spiritual people are walking through the marketplaces fasting and letting everybody know about it. And, of course, in an honor and shame society, they were getting lots of points. Right? Aaron walks by, he's all somber, ash-faced, and, and Paul and I say, Wow, look at him. He's fasting. He's spiritual. He's spiritual. And Aaron pretends not to notice that we are, and he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this happens over and over, and Jesus says, time out. That's not the way you do this. That's not righteousness. Somebody say that's not righteousness. That is not righteousness. They, they had turned something spiritual into something vain. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Who would turn something spiritual into something vain? Boy, they sure don't know what they're talking about. We should really look condescendingly at them. People of God have always been good at that. Introducing vanity into spirituality. Jesus seizes on this practice as the final example in the Sermon on the Mount about the right attitude his disciples should have when practicing righteousness. Well, what's the deal when he says he says to his disciples, "When you fast"? So, what's the deal with fasting? What's a, for for the the contemporary audience? For the, the 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 follower of Jesus today? Are we are we supposed to fast on Mondays and Thursdays, but not but wear but wear a happy hat or something or? put a bow in our hair or something? What are we supposed to do? What's the deal? Well, uh, there aren't any New Testament direct imperatives to, to fast. Uh, Day of Atonement, all that kind of thing. None of that. All of that has been fulfilled in Christ. So, but we do see the disciples of Jesus at certain places and times uh, engaging in this. And what we can see is this. Now, I will say this. this a lot of people have a lot of opinions about fasting. And I'm not here to debate or engage with them or tell them they're right or wrong or otherwise. I don't care, okay? God bless you. But uh, there are some problems. A lot of folks think that you've got to fast in order to get anointed or you've got to fast in order to, you know, not even, Je- people say, oh, Jesus, he was, he, fast, he was anointed because he fasted. No, no, Jesus, the Holy Spirit came fully upon Jesus before he went in the wilderness. The only reason why he was able to, 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 to handle the wilderness and that was 40 days, was because of the Holy Spirit already on him. So you, you, you can't earn this thing. There's no earning in the kingdom. There's receiving. I can't say that there's any Bible that says that fasting directly affects heaven. I don't want to make anybody upset there. You might think, man, I really had a breakthrough. I can't find New Testament Bible that says if I fast, it's, somehow I can, it's going to affect God more than my faith would otherwise. God is moved by our faith. God is moved by our faith. If you, if you don't believe that, then you're going to have a very quiet heavenly life, I mean, on Earth. But if you believe that your God is moved by your faith, then you will see heaven do some stuff. Heaven loves your faith. Jesus, you'll see it in Matthew. We'll see it a lot in Matthew. Jesus loves him some faith. He is moved by faith. He is looking for faith. Heaven is moved by our faith. So, I, so, but, so if we fast, it must be an act of faith. Faith, obedience, prayer, all of these things are faith. So I could exercise my faith in, ex, in the expression of a fast, but it would still be my faith that is pleasing God. Fasting, it seems to me, does more to affect the faster then it does affect God. Fasting can be a very good discipline for the believer. If you're having trouble getting discipline in your life, you might start practicing a few episodes of fasting simply to decide that you are the one who is in control, not your appetite. If you're driven by your appetite, you're not much better than Duke, my dog, who still eats soap. He knows very well there's going to be consequences to eat the garbage or eat the thing or eat the that. But he doesn't, he, knowing there's going to be consequences, he is a slave to his appetite. You are better than a dog. And, and something like fasting might help you say, you know what, I'm going to get control over my impulses. Fasting may be a, something that can help If you're having trouble controlling impulses in one area, you might try it. You might just try fasting, it'll train your, yourself to have discipline. It's a devotion, like it always has been. It is a redirection of our appetite toward heaven. The truth is, that uh, medical science is, is, is coming out more and more with this, that fasting has really an holistic value to body, mind, and spirit. I'm not saying that it makes you more spiritual or makes God like you more or gives you more attention from heaven. I'm saying it can be healthy for you to do it. But this passage, honestly, it's not about fasting. <laughs> this passage is about righteousness and the practice of righteousness. Going back to six one again, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. That is the main guiding imperative of the passage. Disciples, Live for the reward of their heavenly Father, not the applause of people. Following Jesus means seeking praise from God. In the text, we saw that in verse 1 that disciples do not seek praise from others. Would you say that slowly out loud with me? Disciples do not seek praise from others. Look at here. So, uh, do, do not, don't practice your righteousness in front of others. He says, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets. Okay? Uh, verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. who love to pray standing in the synagogues. And then in verse 16, he says, when you fast, don't look somber. Some versions say, don't look gloomy. Hey, here's a quick little helper. No act of devotion on your part should result in gloom. If it is, you're doing it wrong. If you have done all kinds of good things for someone, and at the end of it, you're all gloomy and grumpy, then, you're, then you have done it out of a sense of entitlement and resentment. When you do unto you, you will end up resenting and feeling entitled you will end up very gloomy, grumpy. That is, there's, if it doesn't result in joy, you're doing it wrong. Why would we seek praise from others? It corrupts your soul. It pollutes your actions. Vanity has no part in spirituality. When we do righteousness unto me, again, we end up resenting, We resent others for not praising us enough, or we modify or compromise or perform for others. We compare with others. We compete with others. It's all bad. Disciples of Jesus instead seek praise from God. Disciples of Jesus seek praise from God. Oh, everybody try it with me. Disciples of Jesus seek praise from God. Not out of of fear, not because we're afraid, uh, because he's got some sort of a big stick. We live knowing that we have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. That, that That discipleship is not something that we earn, it's something that we obey. We have been called near, and now we live in this pleasure, in the anticipation of pleasing God. God is eager and willing and ready to be pleased with us. We see that in the text. Uh, in verse 4, he says, So that your giving which is done in secret, then your Father who sees what in secret will reward you. In verse, uh, in verse 6, he says, When you pray, close the door to your Heavenly Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will will reward you and then also with fasting he says uh uh, when you fast put oil on your head wash your face so that it won't be obvious to others but to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you do we hear that jesus is using lot a lot of repetition to tell his disciples that we live for our father's reward Finally, uh, even, and Paul supports this later when he writes, as we've already been in the book of Colossians this morning, Paul writes, first of all, in, verse, in chapter 3, and verse 17, that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Yeah. We live for His eager, ready reward. When we seek praise from God, it frees us from living for our reputation. It frees us from living with insecurity or pride. It frees us from living with competition or in comparison. When we live to seek praise from God, it fuels us to more vigorously and more genuinely imitate and obey Jesus. And that's as simple as it is. When we live to please God, we can be vigorous we can be genuine as we imitate and obey Jesus, seeking and expecting and living for the reward we will receive from the Lord. And that is what it means to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for the simplicity of your word. I thank you today, Lord, that following you means that I, I can and must live free from vanity. I thank you, Lord, that living to please you and to receive your reward, that it fuels, Lord,
1: a genuineness
0: in my life. It enables me to be wholehearted and robust without fear of being evaluated or compared. Lord, I thank you for the joy of following Jesus. And I pray, Lord, I thank you for this house. I thank you for all you've done in our midst today. And I pray, Lord, that as we move on with the rest of our day, that we would, that we would live with a very, very simple, simple uh, focused goal. And that is this. Today I will live to please God. I will treat others not according to how they treat me or how they or how I want them to think of me, but I will treat others in a way that pleases God. I will conduct myself in private in a way that pleases God. Whether anybody knows or cares or pays attention, I will Practice righteousness. I will do right things because I'm living wholeheartedly for you. Grant us, Lord, the joy of that grace to live that way today. Oh, Lord, thank you for the privilege of following Jesus. If you believe that, would you say amen? Let's stand together, can we? Lord, we give you thanks and praise today pray lord that you would bless your people that they would be they would be kind and they would be righteous unto the lord this i pray in christ's name amen amen hey we have some more fellowship for you in the cafe a little bit more a little bit more fellowship opportunity stick around a little bit and say hello to someone tell someone welcome to church hang around have a cup of coffee